Welcome to Scanner School. This podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner or radio hobby. This is session number 202, Ask Scanner School, volume 38. Now, again, you can look at all the session notes from today's podcast on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 202. And as a reminder, I am always looking to answer your questions. This type of podcast, our Ask Scanner School series, releases on the first Tuesday of every single month for over three years now. But I need your questions in order to continue to bring this to you. I ask that you go to scannerschool.com slash ask and fill out our form. But if you'd like to try and win a free tutoring session, you can go to scannerschool.com slash ask and click on our speak pipe link. Or pick up the phone and dial 516-308-2885. Either or will funnel you into our voicemail box where you can leave me your voicemail questions. And again, everybody who asks a question via voicemail is in a running for a free tutoring session. If you need help with your scanner radio, you can either ask me here on Ask Scanner School or I'm also available for a one-hour session. Again, scannerschool.com slash tutoring. Also, we are also live tonight on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we're going to try going live on our brand new Discord server. Why not? It's there. We're going to try it out. So make sure you catch us at 8 p.m. Eastern U.S. time, again, the first Tuesday of the month, where we'll be continuing to answer more questions. And if you're a Patreon supporter, we'll also be holding our Patreon Extra Credit Roundtable Discussion on Zoom, and of course, you can be a part of that if you go to scannerschool.com slash Patreon. So speaking of Patreon, our very first question for this month comes in from our brand new Patreon supporter, John. He asks this question, and it goes as follows. I'm new to software-defined scanners, and I have decided to purchase the SDS-100. I live near San Diego, and I will be scanning just about everything except for trains and planes. I don't mind spending the extra money for whatever I need, I'll be ordering from Scanner Master. What do you suggest I purchase as far as software, antennas, etc.? After I receive the scanner, I'll be contacting you for someone with a one-on-one to get me up to speed. Thanks for what you do. I have no doubt I'll make my entry to scanning much easier. Thanks, John. Well, John, congratulations on purchasing your SDS-100. And of course, if you want to purchase anything from Scanner Master, you can do so and help out Scanner Master at the exact same time. Our link is scannerschool.com slash scannermaster, one word. And by using that link first, we will get credit for the sale. So looking over at the radio reference database, there's a couple of things we want to take a look at. First, we'll look at the conventional side of the house, right? That's everything we see on the main page. And we can see we've got a nice little mix and match of VHF, UHF, and 800 megahertz. Okay, so we need a broad antenna. Well, let's look at something else we've got here. We've got the San Diego Imperial County RCS Next Gen trunking system. This is a P25 system that operates on the 700-800 band. We also have a San Diego City 800 megahertz Type 2 smart zone system. That's on 800. And also a San Diego City 700 megahertz P25 Phase 1 700 megahertz system. So we've got a mix match between a lot of stuff here. Are you going to want to scan everything all at once? Are you going to be interested in just listening to the trunk systems? Are you flexible? Do you want a everything does all scanner radio antenna? Or do you mind maybe 
using one antenna that's cut towards, say, 800, sacrifice a little bit of quality on VHF, or do you also not mind swapping antennas out as you change your listening habits? These are a lot of questions here. So let's look at it this way. Maybe you want to put an antenna on your house. If you want to do that, then a disc cone antenna would be the best solution for you. Disc cone antennas are broad coverage frequency antennas. Basically, they go from DC all the way up to a gigahertz or so, right? They're really low band up through up through 800 into a gig. They don't have any gain on them. They're equal opportunity offenders is what we look at, right? They have no sweet spot. They work pretty much everywhere. But a lot of people use disc cone antennas. They're great. I use them as well. But do you even need an outdoor antenna for what you listen for what you're looking to listen to, right? If you take a listen to podcast episode 197, I asked that very same question. Do you need an outdoor antenna? And to summarize that podcast episode, it all depends on what you're gonna be listening to. And if you can hear everything you need to hear from your radio's antenna, then maybe you don't need an outdoor antenna. You already said you don't have any interest in listening to planes or trains. But if you want to listen to something like marine, you may want an outdoor antenna. CHP, you may need an outdoor antenna. If you want to listen to anything outside of San Diego, you probably want an outdoor antenna. But if all you're listening to is stuff in your immediate area, you probably can get away with what's on top of your radio. So again, I I recommend and I like the Remtronics I forget the model number on it, but it's the one that's cut for 700-800 for the SDS-100. It works really well. It's made so it goes inside that little cutout that is in the chassis or the casing of the SDS-100. You don't need any type of adapters. But there's also a new Remtronics antenna that does VHF and UHF. So one antenna works really well in 700, but you're going to sacrifice a bit of VHF. The other one works really well in VHF and UHF, and you could sacrifice some on 800. However, you may also find that the stock antenna that comes with the uh, with radio may work just fine for what you need, right? Aftermarket antennas are really made for certain sweet spots of reception, whereas the antennas that come with your scanners are like the discount antennas. The manufacturers don't know where you're going to use your radio, so they make an antenna that is broad range or covers a large group of frequencies, which means, again, there's no really good sweet spot in any one of those antennas that comes out of the box. All right, as far as software goes, Unit and Sentinel should get you up and running. It should get you off the ground floor, basically, and receiving it's, it's pretty simple to use once you get the hang out of it. It is pretty much a drag and drop type of scenario. There is a learning curve. You'll get the hang of it, but that'll just get you up and running and making favorites lists. When you want to make a lot of changes or a sweeping change, like if I want to go in there and change all of my fire talk groups and make that have a red LED, there's no fast way to do that than with Butel software. For that, I recommend Butel ARC 536. Again, if you want to help out the podcast, you go to scannerschool.com slash Butel. That's B-U-T-E-L, Butel. And you use that link and that will that will help us out as well. We are an affiliate for Butel software. What else could there be that will help you out with that? I think you're good once you know you, you, you evaluate whether or not you need another antenna. And again, depending on how well Sentinel software can get you up and running, 
then we can uh, discuss having to go through with the Butel software as well. But congratulations in getting up and running and owning your scanner, your SDS-100. Should bring you years of fun. It's a great radio, top-of-the-line, flagship type of radio. And uh, there's a lot to learn. So don't be afraid to get uh, to get into it. You know, read the manual, jump on the forums. Again, you can check out our new Discord server and see if you can get some help in there as well. So... Congratulations again on your scanner and best of luck. And let us know how you make out with it. Now, before we get any further in this week's podcast, I want to take a few minutes to thank our Patreon supporters. Now, Patreon is an affordable way for you to support the podcast and our upcoming expansion into YouTube for 2022. So think of Patreon as the PBS model of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly donation, not only do you help support the podcast, but depending on your donation tier, you will receive certain benefits. The most popular benefit tier being our $5 a month or the $51 a year tier. It's the same tier. We just discount if you can pay us over a year. Now, this tier offers the podcast and YouTube videos early, and also you receive a free squelchy pack of stickers, several discounts, and access to our monthly live scanner radio roundtable discussion we hold monthly on Zoom. Oh, and by the way, most of the Patreon levels also get a special version of the podcast that does not include the middle advertising break in each episode. Now, find out more about Patreon and our supporting tiers by visiting scannerschool.com Patreon. I'd also like to take a moment here and thank all of our Patreon supporters. And they are... Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pascoe, David C., Danny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Floyd Goff, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, Jackson Freeman, Jacques Berry, James Broxson, James Felling, James Peruta, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, John Kordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lynn Smith, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Randy Cummins, Raymond Hill, Robert, Robert Kanzler, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Terry Weatherford, Tim Mazza, TJ, Todd Glendi, and William Arcand. All right, so now let's move on to some questions that come from our voicemail box. Garrett, we heard you last month. Why don't you start off this month as well? Go ahead, Garrett. Take it away. Hey, Phil, it's Garrett coming to you from the San Francisco Bay Area here in California. I was searching through and recording transmissions on the maritime VHF frequencies here in the Bay Area and recorded a transmission on channel 25RX, which is the marine operator frequency, I believe, a frequency of 161.85. And the transmission had content that was not marine operator oriented. It talked, uh, the individual speaking were talking about train stations, railways, and appears to be a frequency being used here in the Bay Area for some train agency. So I know you've always said that the secret is in the searches. I don't know if this fully aligns with that advice, but to some degree, uh, I hope it does. And I'm, my question is, how would I go about finding out here in the local area in San Francisco if a frequency like something in the maritime VHF spectrum has been reassigned or reallocated to a local agency? 
Maybe I would use radio reference or some other resource for that, but I'm hoping this is uh, something that you can help me with. Longtime listener and always appreciate your podcast and everything you bring to the hobby. Thanks, Phil. All right, Garrett. So it sounds to me like the chances here are very good that somebody is using a radio or a frequency where they should not be using it. So channel 25 is a maritime working channel, and it is a split frequency. In other words, they, it's, it's a frequency that it is on both 157.25 and 161.85. One's to transmit, one's to receive. Well, rails operate in the 160 to also the 161 megahertz area. 161.85, a.k.a. channel 25 in the maritime VHF band plan, is not on any AAR frequency list or the American Railroad frequency list that I can find. So what am I assuming is happening here? Now, when I assume something, you know what that's an acronym for, right? So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. I'm betting that somebody has a radio and they know they're operating in the 160 to 161 megahertz area. Maybe they went home and took that radio and moved it up one click, basically, right? They saw they were operating on a bunch of 161 megahertz channels and they just grabbed one at whim, 161.85, right? Just north of where the railroad frequencies are. And they said, this is our own private channel now. Let's just go ahead and use this channel. It's nice and quiet. There's no railroad activity on it. And let's just use it for ourselves. Nobody will know we're up here. It's, it's not out of the blue to do that because I've actually gone down to the beach with my scanner in close call to watch the boats go out. The fishing boats go out here on the south shore of Long Island. What do you think I heard just outside of the maritime frequency, the VHF channels for boats, right? The fishing vessels, they're not on any regular frequency that they're supposed to be on. They are on a splinter channel or they were just north. I cannot remember. It's been years since I've actually you know gone down and listened to them. But they're talking about their hotspots, where they're fishing and what they're catching and some of the people who are on board that are driving them nuts. They're using it like it's a private channel because to them, you can't listen to it on a typical VHF marine radio. So, again, these are the issues that we have when we have these Baofeng blister pack radios. Not to say this is anything that's Baofeng's fault. People have been doing stuff like this for years. So, Garrett, kudos for you for thinking outside the box here, putting the radio into a search mode, finding something of interest, listening to it, and then listening long enough to realize what is going on with that frequency. This is what scanning is about. Finding things out of the blue and out of the ordinary – This is all part of it. This is what makes it fun. So now you've realized that somebody is using radios for rail communications on VHF. Now you could report that to the Coast Guard or the FCC and see where it goes from there. Or you could just listen and enjoy it. It, That's up to you. But you've discovered it. And congratulations on, 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 again, thinking outside the box and doing something with the scanner besides just hitting scan. Garrett, always great to hear from you. You always bring some really good questions into the podcast, and I look forward to having another question come in from you sometime in the future. All right, let's go on to our next question, which comes in from Greg. Hi, Phil. This is Greg from Southern Ohio, living here in Brown County. Thanks so much for uh, hosting the Scanner School and all the associated things that you do for Scanner community. It's really awesome. Much appreciated. 
As you might remember, I started listening to your podcast this past spring. I started with podcast number one, and over the summer, I finally caught up. A lot of great information. So here's my question. What are the factors that influence reception on the 800 megahertz band? I have a diamond disc cone antenna in the attic with LMR 400 coax and an MCA202M multi-coupler. I connect my SDS200 scanner and my two SDR dongles to this multi-coupler. I have no troubles at all receiving our statewide P25 system here in Brown County. I'm also able to receive the P25 sites in my surrounding counties without any issues. However, when I try to listen to a county that happens to have simulcast, Hamilton County, that is about 20 miles away as the, as the crow flies from my home, I have trouble. I can receive the site most of the time with my SDS 200. I'm not able to hear it with my SDR system with the disc cone antenna. So recently I purchased a 25-inch fiberglass 800 megahertz antenna and have temporarily mounted it at ground level outside. This has permitted me to hear the Hamilton County site on my SDR system with a weak signal. However, both the SDRs and the SDS-200 are not reliable for Hamilton County. Also, when I do hear it, many times the audio quality is poor and somewhat digital sounding. What are the factors that cause this signal to be unreliable? Are there any filters or other adjustments that I can make to fine-tune the audio quality? I would assume that a higher antenna with more gain would overcome this weak reception issue. But I don't understand why in a matter of a few minutes the reception will go from good to very weak and then back again. Hey, thanks a lot for all the help that you do for the entire scanner community. Stay safe, Greg. All right, Greg. So you are experiencing something that can drive any scanner radio user bonkers. And I would bet to say, too, when the conditions warm up, such as when we have an active skip season or you've got an influx of warmer weather that's coming in maybe earlier in the morning, this is when you're picking up that, uh, that distant trunk station a little bit better than normally during the day. So what can cause issues with 800 megahertz? Well, it could be as simple as the weather. It could be atmospheric conditions. It could be time of day. It could be leaves on the tree. It could be where you're listening to, right, in the house as opposed to near a window. You said you're using a disc cone antenna. So having a 800 megahertz antenna like you've bought in the attic or in the clear at a higher level will help. What would also help? A Yagi antenna would most definitely help you out here. Not to say it would solve all of your problems, but a Yagi antenna is directional. It is high gain. It is like a laser beam. It is focused, right? Think about when you have a flashlight and the beam is very is spread out and the light diffuses rather rapidly. A laser beam, right, as we all know, can go a long time, far distance, you know, and, and still be a nice solid dot. This is because all of its energy is concentrated, right? A Yagi antenna is more or less the same way. Instead of having a 360-degree pattern, it's very focused into 
15, 10, 20 degrees, right? Depending on the Yagi antenna. More gain means better reception. But you're also listening to something that is 20 miles away. That's tough. That is tough. I'm going to give you that. You may just expect it's not going to work that well. Again, some of these towers, you don't know how they're built out either because they could be set up, these towers are set up to only radiate or point their RF inward into the county, right? Because under the FCC licenses for that jurisdiction, they can only cover a certain footprint as well. So maybe they have a tower that is outside of the county, but it points inward, Maybe they have antennas set up in a certain way that most of the RF is pointed inwards towards the county, not so much outwards. Or maybe that that in, that tower that's towards the edge of the county is putting out a fraction of the amount of power as another tower that's in the county. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into play here. 800 megahertz isn't the same as VHF or UHF where you expect to get a lot of distance out of it. It's it isn't as far. I mean, look look around at your cell sites, right? You've got cell sites almost on top of each other in many places. That's because, again, this 800 megahertz, the 1900 megahertz, it doesn't travel as far as VHF or UHF, okay? So there's a lot of differences when it comes to the frequency. So what I would recommend doing, again, putting putting a Yagi antenna out there, see if it works. Get your 800 megahertz antenna you have now, put that up high, see if you can get more gain of it. Check the gain on your SDRs. Make sure you've got that set up because you can always bring in more gain on the SDRs. I'm finding it a little bit uh, interesting that the SDRs aren't picking up, but the SDS100 would be. Again, control channel decoding is a lot different than voice channel decoding, especially when you've got phase two involved. So the control channels in a lot of systems and most systems out there are still phase one control channels. And then you start splitting the frequency in half when you do TDMA. It, it does require a lot better timing and better decoding. Coding. So if you're marginal on the control channel, the voice channel may just not be there at all. A lot of different factors when it comes to 800. I'm sure if you were closer to that tower, you'd be a lot better. But 20 miles really is quite a stretch when it comes to 800 megahertz, to be honest with you. So the thing you did mention is you do have a multi-coupler, right? You've got the Stridsberg MCA202, which is great. It's an active multi-coupler, so you're going to get a little bit of gain out of that as well. So you you do have that going for you. You could also try, and I, I don't know if I'd recommend it really to be honest with you, but you could put a preamp at the antenna, power it up from there, and see if that will help you out as well. Preamps, depending what's around you in your environment, they can cause more harm than good. But again, if you're trying to bring in that weak signal in, you could try a preamp and see if that works for you as well. But uh, like I said, 20 miles, that's that's a distance on, uh, on 800. Let me know how you make out with some of these modifications we just talked about. Love to hear from you again. And thanks for listening to all 200 podcast episodes. I'm sure that... Uh, some of them are a little bit more painful than others, but again, glad to have you on board. And and thank you for listening to all the podcast episodes. All right. On the other side of this break, we'll answer a couple more questions. And as a reminder, anybody who's a $3 above Patreon supporter does not get this break. You guys have a break-free podcast. For everybody else, we'll see you in just a couple of moments. Hey, did you realize it takes us almost $100 a week just to have this podcast episode professionally edited and sent over to you? This doesn't even include website and podcast hosting, administrative help, 
and other monthly subscriptions that are required to put the podcast out there. Now, you can help us offset these costs when you shop online. So if you're looking for a scanner radio or some software, looking to bid on items over on eBay, or if you're looking to purchase anything, and I mean anything, on Amazon, you can help support Scanner School in the process. And this doesn't come at any extra cost to you. So please check out ScannerSchool.com support for the multiple different ways that we have out there that you can help support us when you shop online. Again, scannerschool.com slash support. Are you looking to learn more about the scanner radio hobby? We currently have courses on how to get started and up and running with software-defined radios and how to turn your SDR into a fully functioning scanner radio. With free software, you can see more and do more with trunking than ever before. And with new courses scheduled for the upcoming months, our offerings will be expanding into both Uniden and Whistler hardware and software. Check out our courses at courses.scannerschool.com or by looking for the link in this podcast description. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues, too. Visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issue and sign up today. Did you know that a pager can make a great addition to your scanner radio collection. And even if I didn't own East Coast pagers, I still have one or maybe a couple of pagers as a part of my scanner radio setup. This is because a pager can be used to just monitor your local fire department or your regional departments. And if you set it up correctly to alert you when the tones are sent over the air, then the pager will remain silent until you need to know what is going on. This frees up your scanner to monitor everything else that's going on beside your local stuff or can prevent you from missing the local stuff because your scanner is busy doing other things. Now, pagers aren't just limited to fire dispatches anymore. Unication has great solutions to monitor both analog and P25 paging systems where many public safety and police departments are switching over to. Swiss Home and Apollo make great analog solutions as well, and all three still sell Pogsack and Flex pagers, still in use by many departments for text alerting. East Coast Pagers is an Apollo, Swiss Home, and Unication dealer serving the North American market, and of course is one of my online companies. So if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, contact us for a free quote and let us know you're a Scanner School listener for something a little extra with your order. For our full inventory or to request a quote or just to contact us, please visit eastcoastpagers.com. Okay, we have another question in from Pete DeVosto. Pete, it is great to hear from you again. Please go ahead and ask your question. Hi, Phil. I'm Pete DeVosto. Long time no talk. Hopefully, this message will find you in better voice by the time you play it on the podcast. I have a question regarding antennas. I've got a BCD-325P2, and I bought one of the W889 Telegainer antennas as a telescoping thing, and the reception is really, really good on the scanner. I love the antenna, but I was wondering 
about antenna length. If I'm listening to stuff, say, on the airband, I can pull the antenna all the way out, and it seems like everything is fine. But when I want to listen to something, say, in the 7 or 800 megahertz range, should I be shortening the antenna? And if so, are there any good guidelines, you know, based on the frequency range you're listening to that I should think about as far as running the antenna? Also, um curious about whether this Telegainer is a good antenna for the 325. Maybe there are other even better ones out there. Thanks a lot, Phil, and looking forward to hearing your answer. All right, Pete. Really great question, and this is definitely one to think about. So, telescoping antennas. I have a love-hate relationship with these things. <laughs> and you've hit the nail on the head why I feel the way about them. You're, you're exactly right with what you're saying here, right? You, you've noticed it. When you extend the antenna all the way out, right, that's where the antenna's sweet spot is going to be for lower frequencies, Okay. The longer the antenna, the lower the frequencies. If you want to listen to higher frequencies, you'd want to collapse the antenna down. Now, this all depends on the antenna because some antennas have loading coils in them. And the sweet spot is something you're going to have to find as you're listening to it. You may find out that low band, right, 30 megahertz, 40 megahertz, that's all extended. Maybe VHF is one piece retracted and then... Maybe 400 is too retracted. And then 700, 800 might be all of them retracted. It really depends how it's going to work. Now, for example, let's take a look at a half-wave dipole calculator, which is a common formula that we use if we want to build our own antennas. Formula is pretty simple. It's just length equals 468 over the frequency. So if I pop in here into the calculator, let's say for aviation, 118 megahertz, and I calculate this, this means that a total dipole would be just under four feet in length, okay? For example, if I take that same calculator and I drop in 860 megahertz, or say 850 megahertz, doesn't make a difference really at 10 megahertz, the total length of that dipole is now half a foot, 0.55 to be exact. So you'll see that at 118, we were at four feet or so. And then when we collapse it down to 700, 800, we're at less than a foot. So you can see just by using a simple calculator here that there is a difference on using the telescoping antennas. Well, what if you don't want to use a telescoping antenna and you don't want to keep raising and lowering this thing? Well, yes, there are other antennas out there that can help you out. Now, if you want something that's going to poke you in the ribs, you can look at the Diamond RC77CA. This is an antenna that I've been using for two decades, maybe. And I love it, but it's a rib poker. It's, it's, I'm sorry, it's an armpit poker is what I call these things. These are the antennas that you, you put on your scanner, you put on your belt, and it pokes you under the armpit all day long. It's a big antenna. It's long. Other antennas you could pick are multi-band antennas, such as the Diamond Line has a lot of amateur radio antennas. Even Comet has amateur radio antennas that are cut for multiple frequencies. I don't have one handy here right this moment, but for, for the, say, the 325, but on my scanners, I am using the SRH519. Now, the SRH519 is a 144 and 430 mega receive or transmit and receive antenna, but it also receives up in general coverage area. So 
I throw those in my scanners because I think they work pretty well. Just taking a look at Diamond's website at diamondantenna.net. The RH519 is listed here as being a 2 meter, 70 centimeter, which basically means 140-ish, 144, and 440. It's got a little bit of gain onto it. It's about 8 inches tall. It's it's 7.75 inches tall. But it doesn't say anything here about it being a general receive antenna. So there are mix and match antennas out there. The telescopic antenna is working well for you. Stay with it. I've got one of those antennas as well. It works great. I used to use it on my Pro 106 all the time. And uh, I've gotten years of enjoyment out of that, out of that uh, antenna as well. So as you listen to lower frequencies, yeah, you're going to want to extend it all the way out. At least see where the sweet spot is. Even listen to NOAA Weather Radio. You may find out, you know, as you extend the antenna that it may come in better. It may not. When you touch the antenna, of course, you're going to act as part of the antenna as well. So it's going to be kind of a little bit of a game to, to see where exactly it works on you. But again, this is all part of the scanner radio hobby, right? Tweaking things, learning things, playing around with things really is how we enjoy the hobby. And uh, Pete, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying the 325. I really did enjoy our podcast episode that you and I had done, which was all the way back on episode 80. Six, I believe it was. Let's see here. I'm looking at my chart now. 86, yes. And that was scanning for those who are visually impaired. Because, right, Pete, if everybody doesn't know and didn't listen to that podcast episode, Pete is blind and he's got his scanners set up so that he knows exactly what banks he's scanning and what he's listening to and how to toggle things off and on. And uh, Pete's, Pete's one of these guys. He will not ask for help. <laughs> And so when he sets up his scanner, so he could ask his wife, but he's uh, he's in it. He's he's in the trenches learning how all this stuff works. So Pete, really glad to hear you in there. No offense if I say don't ask for help because here you are asking me a question about it. But I really do enjoy having you on the podcast. Would love to get you back on to hear what else has been going on and how you're listening and scanning with things. And um, it, it's 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 great to have you back on here. So again, everybody wants to listen to that podcast episode with Pete, you can go to scannerschool.com slash session 86. All right, we've got time for one more question, and let's get right to it. Hi, Phil. This is Kevin the Milk Car from Nassau New York. I have a Pro 651 scanner. I'm not picking up MTA police on the 700 megahertz system. Phil, can you please help me out? What do I do on my Pro 651? All right, Kevin, great question. Why can't you hear the MTA police here in Nassau County, New York, with your radio? Could be a very simple question. So your radio does not do P25 phase two. Very simple, right? That means anything you see in the radio reference database, it's got a T next to the talk group, your scanner can't pick up. Anything with a D next to it, you're fine. You should be able to listen to anything with a D as long as it doesn't have an E, which means nobody can listen to it. MTA police here in Nassau County, which is districts one and two, I think one is Suffolk and two is Nassau, but they share the same talk group, actually has two talk groups on the MTA system. The first talk group is D, or phase one. The second talk group is a T, or phase two. So if the MTA PD are using their second talk group, and again, I don't haven't listened to them really long enough to know which one they're they're on. But if it's the phase two TDMA talk group, that scanner will not pick up the MTA police. It's just game over for you. That, that's all there is to it. 
make sure you've got the frequency set up correctly in there as well. All you really need to worry about on that system is the MTA's uh, Nassau County transmitter. Don't bother putting in the Metro 25 system-wide transmitter. Just put the Nassau County one in there. That'll help you out. And hopefully they're not using the TDMA talk group. But if they are, like I said, lights out, game over. There'd be nothing you could do except to upgrade the radio or, or get into SDRs or something like that. So so unfortunately, Kevin, if, if the programming is set up there correctly, you've got the Nassau County site in there and only the Nassau County site. And if they're not on the TDMA talk group, right, you should be able to hear it. But if they're on the TDMA talk group, that that's you're going to have to upgrade them. I'm sorry, buddy. That, that's all there is to it. Kevin, great question. Thanks again for asking. And now we'll get on to the winner of our free tutoring session. So what I have here is I've got four names in a spreadsheet. I've got Garrett, Greg, Pete, and Kevin. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take one of the names off. I'm going to take off Garrett only because Garrett asked a question last month and he was the winner of the free tutoring session. So to make it fair to Greg and Pete and Kevin, I am, I don't want to say I want to disqualify Garrett because Really, he did ask two questions, but I'd like to see Garrett share the winning this month with somebody else. And I don't think Garrett, I don't, I don't, I know uh, Garrett, and I've had a few conversations and I'm, I'm sure he won't mind. So we've got three people now on the list. Number one is Greg. Number two is Pete. Number three is Kevin. And what I'm going to do is I've got a random number cell set up here in a Google Sheet spreadsheet. And I'm going to refresh this page five times. This basically ensures that I didn't just open the spreadsheet and the number was already pre-populated, right? We're going to give this number an opportunity to recycle itself five times and we're going to pick a winner. So here we go. One, two, three, four, five. Pete, congratulations. I'm thrilled that I can offer you a free tutoring session. I'm certain you will use it. So please email me, reach out to me. I'll give you the code that you can use. If you need help setting up the, uh, the booking for the call, just let me know too. We can always not use our calendar. We can go on email direct and, and, and set you up that way as well. So with that, how did we do this month? How were my questions answered? Or said another way. How did I do answering those questions? It's getting late. I'm getting tired. It's a Sunday evening as I'm recording this. Don't forget, you can catch us live on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and hopefully our brand new Discord server tonight, if you listen to this live, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You can always catch the replay over on YouTube, though, if you missed it. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. If I've answered a question that you think somebody else can benefit from, my ask to you, well, my question to you is, could you share this podcast and let somebody else learn from what we've talked about today? This is how I can help more people. If you share the podcast with somebody. So forward this podcast in an email or in your Facebook group or on your Twitter feed or anything else so that we can help more people with the Scanner Radio Hobby. Because again, that is why I've created Scanner School to help as many people as possible with the Scanner Radio Hobby. Because again, we all started somewhere and we all know that little pit in our gut when something is just not working well for us and we just need a little bit of help. I want to be there to help you. I want to be there to help as many people as possible, which is why I do what I do. So with that, we'll see some of you tonight, hopefully, over on our live stream. Again, my name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this 
is Scanner School, where we teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. 73 for one.